This Week on Twip Weddings. Our panel shares their opinions on a recent article that revealed what 50 brides thought their photographer could have done better. Plus, our picks of the week, and we answer a listener question on how to handle a situation when another photographer shows up unannounced. Well, welcome back. This is episode number two of the newest show on the TWIP network, TWIP Pro Weddings. Uh, once again, my name is Bruce Clark, and I am joined by my fabulous co-hosts in the chair here, Mr. Robert Evans and Mr. Brian Caparici. Welcome back, guys. What's new? What have you been up to? How are you guys? Well, just uh, enjoying slowing down a little bit, getting to spend time with my family, not traveling so much, editing, emailing, and uh, talking to my brides. Getting those albums done for Christmas, those deadlines, always fun. Yep. Yeah, I've, uh, it's, you know, for wedding photographers, it's, uh, getting into off season now. And so it's definitely nice to have some breathing room and some time to relax. And of course, we're now planning for the next season too. So engagement sessions and meetings and networking and following up on things that, uh, didn't have, have a chance to get done in the busy season, um, last season. So that's where we're at right now. What about you, Bruce? We've had a bit of an unusual season this year. We had some weddings in November, and we've got a couple of weddings mm-hmm. coming up in December, which is pretty unusual. It's a bit unusual in our neck of the woods because typically it slows down this time of year just because of the weather. It gets you know so cold and snowy. There's not a lot of winter weddings here, but mm-hmm. this year we've got some weddings, which is nice. I, I like it. It spreads the season out a little bit. Um, but we're uh, got a little bit of a break here, so my wife and I are going to get away to Vegas for a couple days and relax for a few days, and then uh, you know get back into it but like you guys you know meeting with clients and doing all the little stuff you know catching up on bookkeeping and you know that kind of that kind of stuff getting files together for our vendors you know Mm -hmm. florists and venues and that kind of stuff working on all those things that you just typically don't have a lot of time to get to during the the peak of the wedding season so yeah so kind of that's where I'm at these days. So, but yeah, looking forward. I mean, we're recording some of these episodes before they're gonna they're gonna air. So we were probably wondering, yeah. like, hmm? <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're recording <laughs> these things. Uh, you know, it's December right now. Probably, you know, these are gonna get launched when the show launches. But um, also getting ready, geared up for Christmas too. So Christmas client cards, you know, Christmas client Christmas cards and that kind of stuff. So yeah, and you know, you know what's around the corner coming up. Obviously, right now as we record, it's about a month and a half away, but. Um, at the time this airs, we're kind of going to be in the middle of like workshop season, conference mm-hmm. season, convention season, and uh, the off season for wedding photographers. It's just you know everything is timed so perfectly because there's everything that's out there, all the educational seminars and workshops and conventions and conferences that are just great opportunities for you, the photographer, to you know get out of your studio, get out from behind your computer, and get out there and learn and actually be in a in a face to face learning environment. I mean, we talked in the last episode about the importance of getting face-to-face with your clients and face-to-face with vendors and networking and all that, I think it's just as important for us to get out and consume education in person, sort of what what I call offline education. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like that's where it all started and we brought it to online, but I think um, being in person at a workshop or a seminar is is super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think some of the greatest things about workshops that I've attended and workshops that I've given uh, really is just – Again, the camaraderie, the relationships that you yeah. build with people and, you know, WPPI is coming up and uh, I mentioned in the last episode, you know, I've been I'm going on my 26th year and I've probably been going to WPPI for 24 of those years <laughs> in a row. I haven't missed one. 
and I have so many friends now, you know, and the people that I see and I always look forward to it. So even beyond the, the learning and the education, there's, mm-hmm. I think that's probably the bigger reason that photographers go is to be social and see each totally. other. And, and so that's very indicative of, you know, what the heart wants. Yeah, for sure. And that's a good segue. We're going to have uh, Jason Group, who is the director of WPPI mm-hmm. on, a, on, a, on an upcoming episode. And we're going to talk about, you know, conferences and how you can get the most out of, uh, out of conferences. I'm actually going to go to WPPI for my first time this year. So what? yes, I'm a, w, I'm a, I'm a virgin i'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna pop the pop the cherry i guess and go to wppi this year and uh a little hazing little yeah WPPI haze. Do I, what's gonna happen to me there i'm, a, I'm oh, afraid you, you're gonna find out once we get there we'll let you know oh yikes a whole new whole new meaning to exposure i hope i hope not no well, there's that. Just keep me away from the Malibu rum and I'll be okay. So, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, so this week, guys, um, we want to sort of introduce, we didn't do this on our first show because we were kind of just getting to know each other a little bit and introducing ourselves, but I uh, want to have a couple of, <clears throat> of regular segments on the show. And one of the, one of the segments, uh, that we thought would be good to have on the show is, uh, what we're going to call our, our, you know, our picks of the week. Um, this is essentially where we're going to, Pick an item, maybe talk about an item that we think would, would be a benefit for other wedding photographers to check out. Um, and it can be anything. It could be gear. It could be a podcast. It could be a business thing. Whatever you think would, would be, if, uh, you know, assistance to a wedding photographer. And as much as possible, we'll try to tie that pick into whatever the, you know, the week's particular uh, topic happens to be. Uh, so this week, uh, we're going to start, uh, we're going to get into what our topic is going to be. But before we do, um, let's uh, kind of jump into our picks of the week. So... Robert, I'm going to start with you. What uh, what would be your pick of the week? Well, because it will pertain to today's topic um, in one aspect or another, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, my wedding album company. Uh, I am a firm believer that every bride needs a wedding album. And for those of you that that shoot and just hand your files over, not that it's wrong, but I think you're just you know you're not servicing your client correctly. Uh, I, of course, I've been shooting for a long time, and I grew up in a world where we everybody got wedding albums and today and today that's more but it is like one tangible thing that they can have they're never going to do it i mean those of you that do wedding albums you know how hard it is just to get your brides to do them in the first place um so i i truly believe that so the company that i use is couture books um and you can find them online at couturebook.com it's really couture book i said couture books but it's c o u t u r e b o o k .com um i like that company uh because it fits my particular style uh, i think you will sell things more based on if you like it um it's a nice quality book but the one thing i say about them is um the album tends to be, I say, like looks like you bought it in a museum bookstore. Hmm. It's a very high-end book. Uh, for not that much, yes, there are much cheaper solutions out there. Um, I would say a typical book that uh, I put out, you know, ends up costing me anywhere from, you know, four to $700. And they do everything. Um, so you design, but you send them so they print and bind, and it's it's printed on an offset print. Um, they have recycled paper, book paper, but it literally looks like you bought it at a high-end bookstore. Mm. Um, so that really fits my taste and my personality. Um, that's what I show my own portfolio in when I show people my book, um, and that's what they get. And um, we can do a whole show on albums and album mm-hmm. designs, um, but I do do it in two ways. I either let my clients choose or I do it for them. I do a pre-design and they make that choice. But um, it's a great solution for me. And uh, so couturebook.com is my pick of the week. Awesome. I know there's a lot of great, I mean, there's tons of album companies out there. How did you decide, how did you settle on on that album company in particular? 
and, and how well, long going back, it? I've used uh, the other company that I've used for years is Leather Craftsman, um, and they've been around seventy years or so. It's a family-run business. Um, again, it just I saw them at a trade show. One of the advantages of going to trade shows is you get to see a lot of different types of things and you can choose but i just really like gravitated towards i was like oh my gosh this is the coolest thing that i've seen and it you know there are those solutions that you know like shutterfly and apple and all those people that print books but they're cheap i mean they're good solutions but they're cheap and they're crap in my opinion for for a vacation book or something but for a wedding album for something that's representing your style and your brand i think couture book represents my brand best i have a high-end clientele uh, you know, people touch that, feel that, see that, you know. Um, I recently just uh, completed an order with a client of mine where I sold them 40 albums. Um, yep. And uh, everybody was happy when that when that <laughs> check came in. <laughs> but, uh, and it wasn't actually, it was a destination wedding that I did. And I don't need to go into it too much in Europe. But I basically, the, the client did a lot for his guests, for their guests, as far as events around the wedding. And, uh, you know, it was a probably $7 million wedding. And, but uh, I just, from my own power of suggestion, said, you know, well, we should create a book around your guests' memories. You know, not necessarily a wedding album, but the stuff that you did for them. And so I designed it. I, uh, on my own dime, designed it, printed one copy, delivered it to them personally in New York. Uh, actually, when I was there speaking at Photo Plus. Um, and it took me a year or so to get it to where they were happy with it because uh, I did a pre-design, but 40 bucks. Wow. Nice. <laughs> so drinks are on uh, Robert when we get to, uh, <laughs> when we get to Vegas for WPP. Well, you get a free drink because it's your first time. Okay. Hey, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Good pick. We'll put, again, all these picks, we'll put a link in, in our show notes. Brian, what's your pick? Cool. So it was actually funny because, uh, you know, we didn't plan this necessarily, Robert, but yours actually goes really nicely into what my pick of the week is going to be this time, which is Fundy Album Builder mm. uh, version nice. 6. Um, it's not something I've just discovered. I've been using, you know, their software for a long, long time. But, you know, for a couple of things. First of all, you, you know, you got someone like Robert here who's designing, pre-designing this album. That's a lot of time commitment um if you're not good and quick and efficient at designing albums and so what i love about fundy album designer is that you can basically get in do your design and get out and once you get proficient and comfortable and used to the software which is really easy to learn you can really get in and out within like half an hour for designing an album and i think um most photographers listening to this today right now um Right now is the time to get in and start using and introducing these kinds of systems and softwares into your studio because once you get into the busyness of the wedding season, you don't want to try and be learning new things or trying to be whatever. And the last thing that you want is you've got 10 albums that you have to design and you're doing it with Adobe InDesign, which is another software that I use, which is a great software, but it can be very uh, intimidating. It's just like Photoshop when you first open it up, mm, right? There's nice. so many things in there. You don't know what to use. You don't know how to use it. So Fundy Album Builder is a great solution to allow you to get in. It's not template-based, but it allows you to get in, design really beautiful albums, make small tweaks, changes. You can have great collaboration with your clients, and then you can get out and get it all done really quickly. So that would be my pick of the week. You should also just mention quickly, too, about I think I know the one thing that they have, and I use a similar service about their uh, how you approve it online, too. Oh, yeah. So they've got a proofing service built right in. Yeah, exactly. 
So that makes it really great to just do everything online. Your clients don't, you know, my clients are all over the world and yep. I just do everything online now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Been- so, so if you want to find any of that, that's at fundysoftware.com. They've got some incredible products. They've got uh, that. They've got image brander for getting things ready for Facebook and social media and blogging and that kind of stuff. They've got this great <laughs> app and it's not, not to go on forever, but funny, but they've got this great app. It's actually free. It's called image finder. Yeah, this yeah, thing yeah, is yeah. like a lifesaver. If you've ever been emailed, a list of image numbers that let's say a client is saying that these are the hundred images that I want in my album and they email you a list of image numbers. I'm sure any photographer that's ever had this knows how time consuming it is to go and then individually find those. Mm -hmm. So image finder allows you to copy and paste that list into image finder and then click, you know, go and it'll go and find all those images for you. And then you can copy them into another folder. So it's like a huge time saver and that, that piece of software itself is free. So, uh, you know, the team over there at Fundy, they, they do amazing things in the software space and in making what we do as photographers easier and less monotonous and time consuming. So I definitely can't recommend them enough. Work smarter, not harder. Yep. Love it. Yeah, we've been using Fundy for probably the last, I'm going to say almost year and a half now, ever since they mm-hmm. kind of put out their, well, I guess even before they put out their most recent, probably version five, I think version we started five. using it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I really love it. Prior to that, we were... Um, we were using another solution and now, I, you know, I can't even remember the name of what we were using. I'd have to go back and look, but I, yeah, I love that Fundy solution. It's, it's, it's great for creating really nice albums, but also working really efficiently too. Right. So that's yep. great. Love it. Bruce, what about you? Excellent pick. So my pick um, is actually a piece of software and it kind of ties in a little bit with our topic as well today. Um, probably a lot of you use it and it's uh, Evernote. Mm, um, yes. I think Evernote's a, a great tool for organizing all your documents right and, and one of the you know the topic today we're going to talk about is you know brides reveal some things that they wish their photographer could have done better and uh, there's like one of the threads one of the themes is just you know communication and organization i think is a big thing for photographers and evernote's a great tool i i've been using evernote for a few years but i'm starting to learn to use it better and learning how to maximize it and how to get more out of it. Um, you know, doing things like tagging and organizing mm-hmm. things into stacks and all kinds of stuff. So it's a very useful piece of software. It's basically, think of it like your digital filing cabinet. Um, you can put everything and anything in there, PDFs, you can create notes, you can create to-do lists, you know, all kinds of stuff. And the nice thing about it is it's, it works across multiple devices. So they have a desktop version, they have versions that work on Android and iOS and I think Windows phones and, and, you know, so pretty much, you know, anything you have with you, be it your tablet, your phone, your computer, you can go in and update a note or look up a note. You can add voice memos. It's a really cool piece of software and it does a lot. Um, and it's actually, you can get a version that's just a free version. Um, or for about $45 a year, you can get their pro, their, they call it their premium version. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it allows you for, you know, allows you to do more, um, you know, allows you to sync more, uh, in the month. Uh, with the free version, you kind of have a limit on, to, on as to how much you can put in there and synchronize. So if you're putting a lot of documents and things in there, um, I've been just starting to file everything in there. Um, and it's a great piece of software. I, you know, I organize, we put all of our, you know, that in Dropbox sort of make sure that I've got my information anytime I need it. So if I need to pull up a client contract or anything like that, I put it in both places. I can instantly sort of get at that information and it helps me be more, more organized, you know, and that's going to, I think, lead into our discussion today. 
Cool, that's great. And and they actually just recently introduced a new uh, a new style. I don't know if it's still in beta or not, but they have this new minimalist style, right? Where it's not the the traditional Evernote uh, organization structure, and it's like kind of gets everything out of the way and just lets you work on a blank screen. I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So that's my pick of the week. So again, nice. we'll love it. Put links to all these things in the show notes for this episode. <clears throat> Okay, the next uh, the next segment that we want to introduce as a regular segment on the show is a listener question segment. Um, again, we want you know we want your guys's participation. We want the audience to participate in this show and tell us, you know, what are the burning questions? What are the things you need help with? And uh, you can do that a couple of different ways. Um, you can head over to thisweekinphoto.com. And you can leave comments and questions, uh, for the, uh, you know, on the blog post for this episode. Um, we also have a submit listener question on, on the site too, where you can send a question through. Um, or you can email us using the email address twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. Or also you can send out a tweet and tag it with the hashtag twipwed. And we'll keep an eye out for those as well. And you may see your question on a future episode. So we have a question already. Question came in. I know we haven't officially launched the show, but we actually have a question that's come in. And uh, this show, this question for this show is from Ed Krisiak. I believe I got his name right. And he, he writes, I have a wedding contract that says I am the only photographer shooting at a wedding. The ceremony and family formals all go smooth for a wedding last year. When I enter the reception, I find out there is another photographer shooting live images going to a big screen. He was shooting the entire reception for the hired DJ. Of course, my contract is with the bride. Here are my questions. Do I pretend nothing is wrong and keep shooting? Do I tell the bride that the DJ shooter has to stop because it is in our contract? If he continues to shoot, will I leave? Do the stipulations in the contract? Would this DJ photographer hurt my business and brand? This happened already, and I'm wondering the best way to handle this in the future. I received two referrals from this bride, so I believe she had a positive experience with my services. Kind of a long question. A lot of things in there. Who wants to take a first stab at this? Well, I know Brian's going to have a lot to say on this because he's our, <laughs> he's our business guy. So let's, let's just address where the problems lie in this. Um, other than put your ego aside. Mm-hmm. Um, I The first thing I think of is like, so what's what's this person look like? What are they shooting like? How are they dressed? Are the guests or anybody else assuming that they're with me? Um, I think those things come like right to mind, um, you know, like right away. And I think that's probably like the biggest. Um, I, too, have a clause in my contract that says I am uh, the only one there Um this would present a problem because what do you do? I probably would feel the same way. Like what, what do I do now? You know, do I cause a scene? Do I, do I be the bad guy? Nobody wants to be the bad guy. Um, so I guess depending on a lot of those factors, um, which again, we're going to talk a lot about communication today in the subject, but this is a communication like, you know, how do you know this before? But maybe you need to make it very clear with your bride because she's going to be the one who's going to know that that this person is doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my thoughts on it, Brian. Okay. Um, I would say, I, I would first of all set the context here. The idea that we have contracts as photographers is super important. And I, I just, I do want to encourage those listening because a lot of photographers when they first get into it, they just think that they can, you know, 
take a deposit and go and you don't need contracts and stuff. So just first, really quickly, I want to sort of um, uh, appreciate Ed and the fact that he actually has a contract with his clients and that that's super important. And I would say if you're listening and you don't have contracts, definitely look into having have those done, you know, either contract a lawyer to have them done yourself or there's resources online. Uh, my sort of venue of choice would be a uh, good friend, Rachel Brenke from the law talk. Mm. And if you want to get a contract, you can find that at the Um So definitely having a contract in place is great, but here's the thing. The contract is not there for us to be able to pull it out at a wedding and wave it in the bride's face and say, look at me, I have an exclusivity clause, tell him to get out or I'm getting out. Because here's the thing, wedding photography is personal and we know the importance of referrals. We know that's how we get business and um, we're really only judged not only on our images but also on the experience that we give our clients. And so I would say that anything that involves us going to a bride and for lack of a better word, whining to her about something, <laughs> regardless of whether it has legal standing or not, is not going to help her reputation, is not going to help the customer experience. And so I like how Ed finished the question where he said that the bride had a positive experience and that she sent him referrals. So obviously, he handled it well. Uh, and in the future, I would say handle it similarly in the way that we want to make sure that we're sensitive to the experience we're giving our clients. That being said, if anything like this ever came up, um, I would go and talk with the DJ first. So I, I would not bring this up to the bride at all. In fact, I have this sort of policy uh, for my own photography business that I never bring issues up to a bride ever on her wedding day. I'll never ask a bride for a payment on her wedding day. I'll never bring any kind of issues up to her. I'll do everything I can to solve it myself or bring it to the other support people that are brought in for the wedding day to help the bride on her wedding day. Never give the bride any kind of reason to have a negative experience. So I would go to the DJ and say, hey, listen, maybe you don't know, but the bride actually, I do have an exclusivity contract with the bride um, saying that I'm supposed to be the only photographer shooting the event. Maybe he didn't know about that. Maybe he'll be decent enough and you know, say, okay, no problem. Sorry, I didn't want to step on your toes. Let me pull that out. But here's the other thing. What if you go to the DJ and say this, and the DJ says, well, that's great, but the bride paid an extra $5,000 in my package to have this photographer here doing this shooting thing. And if all of a sudden, that photographer for that DJ company has to pull out because you complained about it. Now, all of a sudden, the bride has spent $5,000 and you've now wasted that money. So it's kind of that sensitive thing. I mean, I totally understand, Robert, where you're coming from in the sense that, you know, are they going to be associated with me? What's that look like? What's that... It certainly isn't a good situation, but I truly feel that more bad would come out of trying to stop that DJ than good would come out of it. You know, you're going to have now a a bad um, reputation with the DJ. Uh, You're going to have negative word of mouth because of the bride, because of the guests. Whatever happens, it's it's not going to be a good outcome. And so my thought would be these are the kinds of things that need to happen ahead of time. These are the kinds of conversations that you need to have with the bride well ahead of time when, when they're saying like... There's no reason that shouldn't have come up in conversation ahead of time if you were having the right conversations with your bride. And so if it would have happened ahead of time, I would say, oh, that's that's really interesting. Um, I would actually prefer if you didn't have that. Let me tell you why, because they're going to get in my way, because of lighting, because of this, because of whatever. But you could have done that education up front. And I think that that would have been the time to squish this kind of um, conflict as opposed to doing it in the moment. So that would sort of be where my suggestion would lie. Yeah, no, absolutely. You have to come, you know, you have to, again, we're going to talk a lot about education today, educating yeah. your client. Well, and here's something. So that was kind of a unique situation. What about photo booth? Yeah, that's a really the good point. Same exact thing. Really good and point. 
And here's my question is like, you know, like what you said there, you know, the pain of DJ, whatever to do that. Well, why didn't you just ask me, you want a photo booth? I can do a photo booth or I could yeah. sub out a photo booth. Here's another thing that's very common is the planner, the florist, somebody else has their, someone else are taking detail photos of the wedding. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if that was really important, and I get why they do it. They do it. You know why? Because photographers don't give them the pictures that they want. So learn that lesson. But um, why didn't you ask me? If you're paying someone to be there, sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. They're doing it as you know favor. But ask me. I'd make sure that I have an extra person there to get details. Because yeah. I want to be the one that you know services the planner, the florist. I want to be the star. I want to shine. I want mm-hmm. referrals. Yeah, I had that. I wasn't, it wasn't my wedding. I was second shooting with another photographer and we were shooting. It was the first ever wedding that they were having at this brand new hotel that it, that it opened up in the city. They'd never had a wedding there before. This was the first one. Uh, and they had gone all out. This, this bride and groom had gone all out, um, on the decor. It was, the room was stunning. And we showed up to shoot details and there's two other photographers in the room. Mm-hmm. Shooting. De- and, and we're like, yeah. what, you know, so the person I was working for was sort of like, um, What's going on? Well, it had turned out that the hotel had actually hired these, these other photographers to come in and shoot the details. Well, she, she was already planning on providing the hotel with photos because obviously that would be a great way to get future referrals, right? From the venue. It's one of the first things that people book as a venue. So she really wanted to make sure that, you know, the photos that were going to, that the hotel were going to, was going to use were her photos. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was kind of this, it, it, this uh, discussion that nobody else knew about it. The planner didn't know about it. This was something that the hotel had arranged without talking to anybody else. So all of a sudden here was these other two photographers, you know, hired yeah. by the hotel to shoot the decor of this room. You know, the interesting thing about this, I, I think, uh, Robert, I forget if you said it on air or off air, but we were talking earlier about the idea of how a lot of these kinds of things, I mean, it's so easy to go and quickly blame somebody else for something like this. Like we could say, oh, like that DJ or, oh, that, that hotel or whatever. Right. But you know what? Like, let's, let's stop for a second and let's look at, like, how can we blame ourselves for what just happened? You know, I mean, why are these venues, why are the decorators, why are the hotels, why are they bringing out photographers to take the pictures ahead of time instead right. of just asking us as the wedding shooter? I would bet it's because us as photographers have trained these venues and vendors and decorators that we don't really follow through on the promises that we, we set for them. And so that we're, we're the ones to blame for that guys. Like there's nobody else to blame. Mm -hmm. And so I think if instead, what if you did it this way, this is something that I've done my entire nine years as a wedding photographer, I get the list of who the vendors are ahead of time. And I actually personally reach out and say, Hey, we're working together this weekend on such and such wedding. I'm going to be there photographing. I will take some photos of your florals or your decor or whatever it is. And I'm totally happy to share them with you after the wedding. So you don't have to worry about it. Mm. I've never had someone then from their company show up to shoot it because I'm always setting the expectation that I'll be there. I'll do it. I'm educating them. But the biggest part is that I actually follow through and actually do it. Right. And so now they know that they can trust me and they can and actually if, believe me when I say that. And if you wanted to go as far as mentioning that you do have an exclusivity in your contract, yeah. you know, but you're happy to supply them with images for free, you will get them to them in a timely manner. Yeah. I mean, again, this is, you know, this is going to be an ongoing theme throughout the wedding show. But again, bringing the industry to a point where everyone like, you know, knows these things and you're going to get more referrals that way, you know, bringing it up. Cause like you said, you have yeah. to take 
blame or you have to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. You have for to sure. take responsibility for what happens at the wedding. And I take full responsibility in most cases. Of, and again, we're going to talk more about this, but yeah. of all those things, timing of my brides and all those things. And, and, and if something does go wrong, I look at it each week. I reevaluate what could have I have done better to make sure that this does not happen to me again. Yeah. And, and actually, just, just to quickly circle then back to kind of wrap up Ed's specific question, I would ask Ed this this question. If that DJ wasn't there doing that and doing the live streaming to the TV, is that something that you'd want to be doing anyways? And I would probably say that he probably is not interested in doing that because it's too much work. I mean, this DJ brought another single person just to man the ability of taking pictures and streaming them to a TV. If we're worried about documenting the moments and capturing the reception and doing stuff for the wedding album, we can't be worried with tinkering around with that kind of stuff. And so if we would have been so harsh as to say, no, the DJ can't do that. And the DJ says, okay, well, that's fine. You want an exclusivity? Go ahead and do it yourself. Uh, that's probably not a position that many of us would want to be in. So that's something else to consider as well uh, more for that question. But I think as a good wrap up, the idea is that, you know, the contract is there, yes, to protect us, but I don't think that we need to use that as a loaded gun uh, against our clients because I think that what's most important is uh, a positive experience with the client. And so this kind of thing, sure, we could maybe do some things to prevent it, but if it happens, you kind of got to roll with the punches uh, in light of good customer service. Yeah, yep, absolutely. 100% agree. Awesome. Okay, so again, yeah, if you've got questions for us, send them on in twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com or send a tweet, use hashtag twipwed, or you can even comment on the blog post for this episode. All right, so let's get into today's discussion. Um, so this was uh, this was an article, I think we all had seen it, but Robert kind of brought this this to our attention. Um, there was a, a recent post on a, on a website, and I, to be honest, I'd never heard of this site before. I don't think many I had of us neither. Had. I think I got an, an email initially, you know, just like a... You know, junk mail, basically. Yeah. So this is not an endorsement for this site or anything, but it's a, a post on this site called Bridebox Pro, um, which appears to be sort of a, a – I guess it's geared a bit towards photographers but also to clients because it looks like they can order and do prints and they have like online galleries and stuff like that. Yeah, so, and albums and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so take what – this article says with a bit of a grain of salt, I guess. Um, but there was a, a recent post on their site and it shared comments. They had interviewed supposedly 50 brides and these brides shared uh, their thoughts on what they thought their wedding photographer could have done better. Now, you know, a lot of photographers read this article and were kind of quick to react to the article, sort of pointing out that, that sort of based on the quotes and we're going to, Robert's going to read some of the quotes. You know, it kind of sounded like many of the brides they talked to had kind of hired either inexperienced photographers, um, who were probably hired because they were, they were the cheapest. Um, you know, others responded and said, well, you know, price and experience shouldn't matter. Um, that all photographers could learn something from what these brides sort of had to say. So, you know, it doesn't really matter what side of the fence you fall on. Um, we kind of wanted to take a look at what were some of the common themes that ran through these comments and then share our thoughts on what what can photographers, what can wedding photographers take away from this article and use to improve their business. Right. So, Robert, I'm going to throw it over to you first. Um, what was your first kind of, you know, reaction to this article and maybe share some of the quotes from this article that kind of jumped out at you. Yeah, I'll go through and read through some of the quotes. Um, I think initially, you know, like I said, we're not, you know, I thought the content on the site was good, like some of the articles. And again, if we approach this from a, a non blame 
you know, and sort of everyone sit there and ask the question, you know, how can I learn from this? What can I do to improve my business? Again, that's what we're after. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read both sides of the aisle, if you will. Um, again, the article is entitled uh, 50 Brides Reveal What Their Photographers Could Have Done. This blog post was put up on November 4th. And I'm just going to read some of the stuff that I highlighted in the 50 um, editing our photos before we got them. So again, addressing like um, just giving them every single file without doing any work to them. Um, I wish my photographer wouldn't have used filters on almost all my images. Um, Better low light photos during the reception could have communicated me prior to the wedding. Uh, It's been two months now. I haven't gotten any response on my pictures or anything else. Um, I had to tell him what to do next. Uh, wish they would have gone over details with me before the wedding or a checklist. Um, communicate. Uh, cleaned up my pictures a little better than they were. They were. I actually got blurry photos or partially blacked out photos. And the bride said, no bueno. Um, be honest about how long it would take after the wedding uh, to get my proofs back. Uh, you know, we got the more expensive package in the wedding album was cheap. I was disappointed in the materials and the cheap picture quality. Um, I only had a handful of pictures of, of the picture people that I wanted and me and my husband. Um, I wish the photographer would have had a second photographer. Uh, communicate better regarding of what I wanted. Uh, giving our photo backs in a proper timeline basically on what you promised. Um, editing my photos. Again, detail or, or the quality of what you're giving back to your clients. Um, spend more time taking photos prior to the ceremony. More party shots. Uh, more candids. More respecting my opinion when designing the wedding album. More romantic images and intimate poses. Um, I found that we were rushed. Uh, taking more photos with me and my guests. Not to rush us. Uh, capture more photo with family and friends, uh, have been more open and nice and not so closed off. (laughs) Um, This person says, I have pictures, but I would have, it would have been great to have a real photographer. (laughs) Well, what did they hire? Um, Taking uh, more pictures of us during the reception with our guests. Uh, us talking to our guests, interacting with our guests, uh, taking all my family pictures, listen to what I wanted, more whimsical pictures. <laughs> I love this one. Not flirt with my husband. <laughs> Whoa. I don't do that, yeah. by the way. Um, cheap album, unprepared, fumbling around with cameras and settings, completely ignored my cell phone calls and emails. It's been three months. I still don't have my proofs on a typical four to six week turnaround, been more prepared. Uh, so that's, that's the one article. And again, I just read highlights. You want to read that all 50 points, go to the website, which are in the show notes and read that. Yeah. We'll put a link um, into it. Yeah, so you see notes. the common things there, you know, our communication, um, they could have been, you know, prepared better as far as before. Um, another big theme was, um, Candids and details, you know, shooting more candids. I heard several times a bride say more pictures of our guests and candids during the reception. Um, knowing who the important people are, the VIPs. Um, again, cheap albums and products was mentioned a few times. 
And uh, so now let me just quickly read you some of... So on December, excuse me, on November 12th, which was approximately 10 or so days later, um, they did another post. 50 photographers reveal what their brides could have done better. Uh, so here's what the photographer said. Give me more creative control. Um, trust me. Be realistic. Um, use locations that are nearby and not 20 locations where you think you're going to get the best photos. Uh, one photographer said, send me an invitation uh, so that I feel more involved in the wedding day. Be more realistic and upfront about her wedding day with her poses and what she's expecting. Keep to a pre-planned schedule and be early or even on time. Uh, be present and enjoy the day and forget about all the other details. A tense bride is hard to work with. Uh, let's see. So, talking about being late again, hair and makeup, running, making the bride run late. Don't just give me 15 minutes to shoot all your family pictures. Um, wish list before the wedding on what you'd want me to shoot. Uh, I wish she could have been ready on time. Hire a real professional photographer. <laughs> Again, that's from a photographer. Yeah. Um, relax and trust your professionals around you. Um, someone here talking about the real work begins after the wedding as far as the amount of production that we do. So that's probably expectations. Um, list must have images. Um, dedicate time on the wedding day to capturing those images. Commute clearly on the timeline to everyone involved. Be realistic. Um, be realistic about what you lo look like. Uh, keep everything on schedule. <laughs> be realistic about what well, you Well, they go mean. on in that one about saying, <laughs> like, if you're not a model, don't expect right. to be like model, yeah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> keep on schedule. Um, not to worry about to getting the reception so quickly. Uh, know what types of shots you want. Uh... 90% of my brides all act like we never met or that I gave them instructions at all. They just listen to family members instead of the photographers or people who have previously been married. Traveling around for portraits again. Realistic expectations. Um, enjoy the moment and stop sweating the small stuff. Don't worry about your gown getting dirty. Uh, be respectful of those working your wedding from the photographer to the limo driver. Um, I wish I didn't have to deal with drunken groomsmen. Run on time. Stop having Pinterest expectations. That's actually mentioned a few times in here. People talking about, you know, you can't expect your, they go on to say you can't expect your wedding to look like a castle when it's in a ballroom at the Radisson. Um, that could be, be a future show topic, the Pinterest bride, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be on time. Create a timeline. Better time management. Uh, trust me and my timelines and my suggestions. Um, so that's, I mean, that's enough. I don't want to go on. We've got enough to go on there. Um, so, of course, the first question that sort of came to my mind you know, again, being a photographer, when I read the first article about what the bride said, is like, well, how much are these, you know, brides paying these photographers? Um, one thing that I think is important when I say that is um, no matter what level you're at in the business, here's a line that I always say to my brides. Uh, I say, you know, you're paying me a lot of money to create your wedding photos. So, you, you know, 
you need to sort of respect, and, and I say, of course, nicely, but you need to respect my opinion and my time and my expertise. Um, so no matter what level you're at, they're paying you what they can afford to pay you. Yes, maybe some could afford to pay you a little more. Um, but it's really, I think, in the beginning, is you know, this comes down to educating your brides mm-hmm. um, and communication. Um, but, you know, establishing yourself as the expert and, you know, p- but professionally. And there's somebody brought up a good point is they don't listen to the photographer. They want to listen to everyone else that's been married. But you're the expert. You're the one that's hopefully done this many, many times and will do it many, many times. And you're going to learn from each wedding. But so there's there's a series of that. Like, uh, Bruce, why don't you uh, start with your opinions and thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I think you know, the first thing that I first thing that came to mind when I saw this article was sort of, well, you know, obviously this is a little bit of propaganda and fodder for this, you know, bride box so uh you know site right the first thing you know the very very first comment was uh you know um something about that they you know they got their should have cleaned up my photos better so you know uh, they did them you know through windows live and then printed them through bride box so you know it was a little bit of a plug for for those guys but just you know in general looking at it um you know my first thought like a lot of people i think looked at and said well you know what did some of these brides spend on their on their photographer and not that money always equates to you know there isn't always that relationship between money and and quality but i think that if you're looking at photography in particular um where you're at the lower end of the, you know, the spectrum in terms of charging for a wedding, you know, if you've got somebody that's, that's offering to shoot your wedding for $500 and then you call 10 other photographers and they're all in the 3000 to $5,000 range for the bride, that should be a little bit of a red flag. Like you should be something go, well, why is that one photographer so much cheaper than all the other photographers. What's the reason? And I I think a lot of it comes back to professionalism. I think that's a bit of a growing problem is there are experience, experience. Absolutely. Um, and just how do they run their business? Do they run their business and treat it like a professional business or is it something that yeah, I got a fancy camera and I took some nice pictures of my cat and now suddenly I'm going to start shooting weddings and not realizing that they're probably getting in over their heads and the bride might not know any difference because chances are they've probably never shopped for professional photography before. A wedding is probably the first time they've done that. And there's, there's a lot of tools that are available to everybody these days. You know, it doesn't take much nowadays to put up a, a nice looking website for little to no cost in some cases. Um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's, there's an issue these days with photographers wanting, again, wanting that immediate gratification and wanting to, to be, you know, immediately successful, uh, you know, and doing so by nefarious means, uh, such as, you know, stealing other photographers work and passing it off as their own and putting it up on their site. Um, and suddenly, you know, boom, they're in business and, and it, it, and unfortunately, there's more and more of that happening, and it it paints all photographers, unfortunately, with the same brush. So if you have brides, you know, for example, reading this article, suddenly they're going to look at these things, and they're going to look at all photographers and think, "Oh, this is this is common. These are common problems with all photographers." 
right? And so that's that's one of the issues that I have with these types of articles is sometimes it kind of it can it can paint all of us with the same brush. Like some of these comments were, you know, my photographer fled the area after giving us the raw photos digitally. I don't know any professional wedding photographer who's just going to hand over raw photos and and flee. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know anybody, but I've heard of horror stories of, you know, hobbyist photographers that put an ad up on Craigslist or Kijiji or wherever, right? And brides looking to cut cut something out of their budget think, well, it's just somebody with a camera, you know, it, it can't be that difficult. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go with the cheapest, you know, and it, it kind of paints all photographers, unfortunately, with that, with that brush a little bit. So there's this element of, of educating the client, but I think also educating, you know, people that are getting new in, you know, into the business or even those that have been doing it for a while. I'm sure, you know, there's people that have been doing it for a while that have experience who've probably made some of these same, you know, same mistakes. I mean, life, life happens. You know, I, I know photographers, very good photographers running, you know, good businesses and suddenly, you know, a life crisis happens, you know, um, and they find themselves, you know, buried in editing and they don't know how to get out of it, you know, and, and rather than communicate with their clients, they, they kind of just, they're, 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 they're fearful of what the implications will be if they tell their client, you know, Hey, it's going to be two months before you see your, their, your files. So rather than tell them, they just shut down. Right. And they say, I'm just not going to say anything. Well, I think communication, I think that's one of the key takeaways from all of the, all of this feedback, whether you agree or disagree with, with the feedback. Um, I think communication is so important. Um, one of the things that our, our couples comment on is just how responsive we are. You know, if they send an email or they call us, you know, we always are getting back to them within no, no more than a day. You know, oftentimes it's, it's usually pretty immediate and they're always sort of surprised by that, you know, and, but I think that's an important part. I think there's no, I think we've got all this technology these days. There's no excuse for why we can't, you know, get back to somebody in a timely fashion. Um, and so communicate, you know, keeping those lines of communication open between your, between your couple can solve so many issues and make a lot of these types of issues go away. Um, but I think people are afraid I think people are afraid to communicate these days. I don't know what it is. We live behind our cell phones. We live behind text messaging and we're afraid to, you know, pick up the phone and call a client. You know, we're afraid to have that face to face communication. And I think, you know, we, we always insist on meeting with our couples where, where we can. And some of our couples, sometimes they live out of town and we can't always meet with them face to face before the wedding, but we always try to have at least two or three meetings with our clients prior to the wedding. So we're going to meet with them when they first come in, hopefully to book with us. We're going to meet with them again during the engagement session. Uh, you know, we usually meet with them again after the engagement session to go through their photos and talk about, you know, talk about things. And if there's things they didn't like, you know, in terms of opposing or an angle or something like that, we can work those things out before the wedding day. And then we have another meeting with them prior to the wedding to go through everything, timelines and talk about all those things. And then we meet with them again after the wedding. So we have multiple contact with our, you know, multiple points of contact with our clients. So I think communication is so critical, you know, when dealing with, particularly with, you know, with, with weddings. Right. Yeah, who see okay, that there we go. over there? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's ready to go. I can tell. He's chopping the bit on this one. I'm Brian. firing on all cylinders over here right now. Okay, Th- this is the thing. You know, as as a photography industry, it's so easy for us to look at something like this 
and and listen admittedly i did it too i look at this and i'm like you know i i you know the pitchforks go up and it's like wow what kind of brides did or what kind of photographers did they hire or what kind of money did they spend and these expectations are completely out of whack and it's so easy for us to kind of write it off as like oh that's just silly it's you know self-promotional by the website that posted it or you know we don't know the context of where these brides came from and all that and Sure, it's easy for us to write it off and dismiss it and move on and go from there and just kind of you know call it another silly list that the the media tries to push out there for for viral purposes. But here's the thing: there's substance behind all this, and there's something that I think we can learn from all this. And these brides didn't make these things up. You know, these things actually happened, and I think that's a really, really unfortunate situation for the brides but also for us as an industry because if we approach it with this idea of saying oh it's nonsense and we kind of you know make excuses for it we're not really learning from what i think we can be learning from something like this and so here's here's where i come from it maybe a bit a bit of a different perspective maybe not it sounds very similar to what you guys are saying um we're to blame for all this as an industry. This is our fault. It's the exact same thing that we talked about earlier with the contract thing. This is our fault. All of these things are our fault. Absolutely. We, can, we cannot blame our bride and say, well, come on. Like, how can you expect me to do blah, 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 go on? It's like, well, it's because either we didn't communicate that properly. We didn't set those expectations properly. We didn't educate the client properly. We didn't show them what our albums look like properly so they knew what they were going to be getting at the end of the day. This is all our fault. And these are all things that we as photographers can be fixing and can be doing properly to avoid these kinds of situations. So I think this is actually an amazing article for every photographer to go and look at and read and take and, and, and learn from. Because if you're not – and this is the thing. Listen, I've talked to so many photographers that – you know, like Bruce, I love what you're saying about how you actually have these meetings, these conversations with brides. Listen, let me tell you, 99% of the photographers that are listening right now probably don't do that. And so when you come up with this kind of situation where the bride's like, oh, well, there's not, there's not enough candid photos. It's like, well, did you see candid photos in the photographer's portfolio? Oh, you didn't meet with the photographer to look at their portfolio? Well, that's the photographer's fault. Again, guys, the bride is doing this probably you know, nine times out of 10 for the first time. (laughs) And, you know, us as photographers, like we are the experts. We are the professionals. We need to be consultants on these kinds of things. We can't just be a button pushers because if you're just a button pusher, you're never going to get yourself out of the $500 shoot and burn uh, model and, and space in the industry. And so if we can position ourselves to really properly and effectively communicate all these kinds of things to the bride. That's on us. That's on our shoulders. That's our responsibility to do that. We can't just assume that the bride knows what our process is like. Mm-hmm. We can't just assume that the bride knows that we're not going to do table shots or that the bride knows that we're going to have X quality of, of albums. Those are all on us. So I think the lesson that we need to take away from this is to be more intentional with setting those expectations for our brides, be more purposeful in our communications and take the role of a consultant and not just of the person that shows up on a wedding day and pushes a button. And when we can really walk our clients through all these kinds of ideas, the expectations, the flow, what they're going to get, how they're going to get it, what we're going to be like, what the prices are going to be, what they're going to get, how long they're going to take to get it. If we can properly communicate all that, we won't have any of these issues. 
because we're we're setting those expectations to our clients. And so I think that's really the lesson that we need to take away from this. And we need to take off our hat of blaming the brides and saying, well, this is this is because they didn't hire the right photographer or because their budget was off because of this, because of that. No, it's it's all on our shoulders. And this is all our responsibility as an industry and as the photographer to properly communicate those kinds of ideas and to set those expectations for our brides so we avoid these situations before they even come up. Yeah. And that's where I stand on it. Nice. <laughs> you know, it's it's, it's uh, it, Like I said, in general, I think there's so many of these kinds of articles that come up it's so easy for photographers to just dismiss it and say, oh, well, well, this, that, and well, the bride had, had this or the bride. It's like, you know, I really think if we, if we slow down, we take our ego out of it and we step back from it, I think there's a lot that we can learn from something like this. And so take that, that sort of uh, anger out of this for a minute and really look at those suggestions and ask yourself the question, Okay, so there was a suggestion where you know um, I, I you know had the the highest package and the album quality was cheap. Okay, take yourself out of it for a second and look at your albums. What is the quality like? Are you offering really nice quality albums? And if you're offering more of a budget solution, which is fine, it works in some markets. Are you showing your bride those albums before they actually get theirs so they know what their album is actually going to look like? There should be no surprise for the bride. So I think we can look at every one of these 50 suggestions and really ask ourselves the question, how am I dealing with that? How am I communicating that to avoid this surprise after the fact? And I think that's where we can grow as a photographer and get into a space where we don't have these kinds of issues after the fact. Yeah. One of the one of the things and I want to direct this one at, at Robert because I know Robert that that you really like to take control of the timeline of the day and 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 you know you you demand a certain amount of time in the day for you know to allow yourself to be creative right so I want to talk because one I of the themes it. <laughs> well you know <laughs> but one of the themes I think was you know they didn't want to they didn't they felt rushed or they you know there was with the timeline of things running behind or running late and not enough time for certain types of portraits or certain types of shots how do you insert yourself into the conversation at an early stage because I I struggle with this sometimes they come and book us after everything is really mostly planned and they, and they go here here's our timeline deal with it right. <laughs> right how do you insert how do you get yourself into that conversation earlier so that you can influence that timeline a little bit and and give more of that control over to yourself as the photographer so that you can avoid some of these things i okay i don't wait until after i book them although sometimes it's better to wait you know you have to just use your own judgment but i start talking about timing and expectations and all those things in my initial uh, inquiries with them. Um, Again, like as Brian was talking, you know, we talked about, um, you know, I think the easiest way, you know, like what's the easiest way to make sure you get every shot the bride wants is ask, you know, let's just make it simple. You know, don't be so quick to say me, 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 me and talk about what you do and how you do like actually listen. You know, again, communication, a good communicator is a better listener than a good talker. Yeah. So, you know, listen to what they want. But at the same time, like I educate my brides ahead of time on what I expect. But in turn, I ask her on what she wants and what's important to her. And you know what? If she asks me for that shot with her bouquet around her bridesmaids bouquets all around her head and i think that is the dumbest shot in the world she's not going to know it and i'm going to do it it may not be on my website or in my portfolio but i'm going to do it for her 
because that's what's important to her and she's the client. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I told you guys this, but I, you know, I, I've done talks and seminars and classes on this and, you know, I call do a program that's called Time to Play on the Wedding Day. And uh, I ask, you know, photographers, do you shoot what you want or do you shoot what you get? And I think most photographers fall into the shoot what they get category because they don't necessarily know how to make it work, the timeline work in their favor. I run on about a three-hour timeline prior to ceremony, which is really for, let's say you have a six o'clock ceremony. I want to do first look at three and I show up at two for getting ready. I shoot an hour of getting ready because like you said, Bruce, I enjoy being in the room with the girls. I enjoy getting to know them and establishing that, you know, if that's your first, you know, contact with bridesmaids and things like that and, and guests. Um, and so I shoot that my, you know, very quickly. The first hour I do a first look um, and for a whole hour I shoot the bride and groom. And then the second hour is dedicated to immediate family and bridal party. And the third hour is dedicated to any extended family or special friends that they want. Um, so I talk to them about that. Of course, that means getting your couples to see each other before. I can turn about 90% of my couples who don't want to see each other, but it's more and more common these days that people are willing to do that. But again, you can't just tell a bride like, hey, you need to see each other before because your pictures will be better. You have to make it make sense to her. So I go through many different scenarios and showing her, you know, why it's better to get the photographs done. You know, you've got to ask all those questions. Like one of the things that brought up is like, you know, sometimes brides want to go to like 50 locations. That's unrealistic. Or, you know, you just have to talk to them and and become the expert, you know, and say, Mm -hmm. well, this is my suggestion. This is what I suggest um, that we do. You know, I've shot over a thousand weddings and this is how I've seen it work best. You know, I'll do what you want, but if you want, you know, and it, and if it's not realistic, you heard that term come up, then you have to tell her like, well, okay, you know, I, I've always wanted to make t-shirts for photographers that says I'm a photographer, not a miracle worker. <laughs> 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 With an expletive, expletive maybe in there at times, but um, because they have to understand, you know, the flow of the day. And I thought it was a good point. Somebody said, oh, well, they listen to their friends that have been married before. Okay, so you have one friend or two friends that have been married once before. Again, how many weddings have we done? Um, if you're new at wedding photography, even I was thinking when you were talking about those that shoot and burn. Now, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I know people have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you heard a couple people talk about just editing your photos. If you're going to shoot a wedding for a couple and you're going to just hand them over all the images, well, from the beginning, like have some self-respect and edit your photos and only give them the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, if you shoot 3,000 images, they don't need to see all 3,000 images. Go through and, and edit and, and pick the best 1,000. It doesn't have to be a specific number, but don't give them the blanks or the bad expressions or the out-of-focus pictures or the, you know, all those things. Um, put your best foot forward always. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's just, you know, from that. Um, so even if it's a $500 job, treat it like it's a $5,000 job. Right. Right. It's all in your attitude. And that comes back to what Brian was saying is like, you know, we as a whole need to not have a blame attitude, but take responsibility attitude. Yeah. And I'll tell you something that I do, and I've done this for years. Um, I honestly even have like a list of goals of what I want to come out of my wedding day. And it sounds, so if you're spiritual or religious, you know, you could put that and, and pray about it, whatever that you do. I have it like printed out and and sitting where I can see it and you know simple things from you know like that I have beautiful light and that I have eyes in the back of my head and that 
all the guests and family and friends make it to and from the wedding without accidents. Uh, because you, if you want that wedding today to be a success, there's a lot of things that have to happen. And, and there's several things on, you know, I'll probably have 30 of them. Mm-hmm. And I read through them, you know, typically before. But the one attitude overall, if you want to sum it up, is that I say to myself each weekend or each time I go shoot a wedding, this is going to be the best wedding that I've ever photographed. And if you have that attitude each time you learn from the last one, we're going to make mistakes. Mistakes are great to learn from. They're not great if you keep making them. Mm. So I go out each time. If something happens, you know, like I run on that three-hour schedule and for some reason my bride's an hour late, I look at that and, okay, what could have I have done to prevent that? But I would say 98% of my time, my brides run no later than 10 to 20 minutes you know, just for natural things. But I educate them on a, on a few things. I'll give you two points that really, really work well. Um, hair and makeup. You heard somebody mention it in a thing. I always tell my brides, I don't care who or how great your hair and makeup people are. You lie to them and tell them that you need to be ready one hour before you really do. So if I'm going to do first look at three o'clock, I was like, you tell your hair and makeup person you need to be ready at two o'clock. That's when I'm going to show up. Even if I show up and your hair and makeup's done, great. Sit around, drink some champagne with your girls, have conversation. They're going to have to touch up. You know, we're going to get getting ready shots. Um, and then you can have time to get dressed. The other one usually is a timing issue with family. You know, everyone always says your family runs late. Well, the mistake that photographers make is that even if they talk about a timeline or when they're going to do the photos, and this is typically that applies more to the extended family because the immediate family bridal party, they're going to be there part of the day, um, is they don't tell them the photo schedule until the night before at the rehearsal dinner. By the way, Aunt Sally, pictures tomorrow at 5 o'clock in front of a chuppah. Well, that's the first time they've heard about that. And you have to remember, these people are in town. You might be at a location where they're, you know, they want to lay by the pool or whatever. So you just kind of threw a wrench in their entire day. Now they have to be ready even an hour before they thought they might have hair and makeup appointments, etc. So I always suggest to my brides, two weeks before the wedding, three weeks, whatever you want, whether you want to make a phone call, write a note, send an email and say, hey, Aunt Sally, I love you. You are so important to me. Pictures are going to be, we're going to do everything ahead of time. They're going to be at five o'clock. You know, will you guys make sure that you get you and your family? Because I really want to make sure that I have a photograph of you. Makes them feel special. Who's not going to try a little bit harder when you've made them feel special and important. And then, you know, you do that to all those people that are involved. And then you use the rehearsal dinner as a reminder. Mm. Remember, tomorrow pictures at five o'clock. Can't wait to see you there. Those two things right there will save you a ton of time. And if you get your bride to do that, the other thing that you can do, and I've done it, I'm not always great about it, is actually create, you don't have to create a shot list, but you can create it like a schedule. And on that schedule, you just say, you know, immediate family bridal party at two, extended family at three. You don't have to put names, but you can create like a little photo schedule that as a PDF and email it to the bride and she can share that with her family, but put your pictures on it and put your contact on it and maybe where they can find the photos afterwards. And now to their whole immediate family and bridal party, you just sent out an advertisement subliminally. Mm, that's great. And they, and they know where, and you know, put your pretty pictures on it, whether it's wedding or say, oh, look, we do family portraits and maternity or whatever. And, and, and send that out to them as a way to pass on to their friends. Better yet, if you can get their emails, but you know, you can pass it along to the bride. But those little tips, you know, I can talk about this for hours, but those little tips really make a huge difference. But I think to sum it up, it just really comes down to educating the bride 
on what you think is best, what you know works best. Allow yourself the time that you want. I do three hours. Um, a lot of that time is built in also for things to run a little behind. Um, but I tell you, like, I have time to play and be creative. And yes, I have a list of the things that my brides want, but I always have time to shoot for myself. And that is so important. If you're only shooting for your couples, it's not, it's going to stop being fun. But when you get to shoot for yourself, when you get to fulfill and, and, you know, light that own creative fire, I mean, that's why we all do this is for the creativity and people get burnt out because that goes away. So make sure that you have time to fulfill your own photographic creative needs and I promise you, you will love photography more. Some great tips, some really good advice. I know one of the things that I'm working on this kind of this off season, one of my off season projects, is putting together a bit of a, a, a magazine. Yeah, that it's going to go to our couples. It's it's going to contain you know all this information, this, some of the things you talked about, and there's some some great tips in there about notifying the family, you know, weeks, weeks in advance. Those are, you know, those are some awesome tips. Um, so that's something that I'm working, putting together a package that can go to the client, something that they can flip through, they can read, you know, again, it's edu- anytime we can educate, no matter whether we're educating our clients, educating other photographers, it's going to help raise the bar across the board, right? It's going to help right. raise the bar for everybody, right? And, and of, again, avoid so that we maybe, We'll have a future where we don't have these kinds of lists. <laughs> you know, maybe it'll all be, you know, 50 things that w- amazing things that my photographer did for me on my wedding day. Right. And again, we could do a whole show on this, but here's something else. Think about everyone works a little bit differently, but think about the things like all the stuff that I educate and I teach my brides. It's everything that's happened to me in my 26 years of shooting weddings. Um, so think about those things in your weddings that have made the bride late. What are those things? And now tell her ahead of time. You know what? I've seen this a couple times. Here's, it's not a big one, but the moms had the dress. So here I have a bride hair and makeup ready to go. No wedding dress because the mom had to control the dress and bring it. But she's getting her hair and makeup done. And she's not liking her hair. Uh, transportation, traffic, like mm-hmm. things that have made you know think about those things in your own weddings and things that have made bridesmaids and then tell them you know think you know so allow extra time if, if there's a lot of driving around from location to location where well, you're going to need to add an extra half an hour mm-hmm. do some research like you you know you have that wedding oh my gosh the new york marathon's here today well that's going to get in the way of mm-hmm. driving around and you know so you kind of have to like do a little bit of that research again take the responsibility for you know getting them there and, and allowing yourself the time to play yeah absolutely Brian, if you got any last uh, last tips, I think. Man, I think this was a great discussion. Um, I would sort of, I totally endorse everything that Robert's saying. I agree wholeheartedly with all of that. Um, I would also add the point that, you know, a lot of the comments that we saw in that list are things like, oh, you know, my photographer didn't get a table shot or the photographer didn't get candid shots of my friends like I wanted or things like that. And, and I would echo the sentiment that uh, we're given two ears and one mouth on purpose (laughs) we're supposed to listen (laughs) twice as much as we talk and why didn't the photographers get those things that the bride wanted well perhaps it's because they didn't ask and so i really think that that's an exercise at the very least every wedding photographer listening to this right now can take away from this is you know when you plan the next wedding like when you're on the on the phone with the bride the week before her wedding talking about things or the two weeks or whatever it is that you do your your pre-wedding you know powwow with the bride ask them 
hey, is there anything specific? I mean, other than the creative things that you've already seen that I do, other than the family portraits, which I'm going to get a shot list for, is there anything else that's happening on that day that is really important for you that you want to make sure that I capture? Do you have a grandma that's coming in from out of town? Do you have your high school friends that are all getting together? Do you have whatever kind of event? Is there like a, you know, a, a, a bagpipe player that's there that you want to make sure you get a shot with like anything you know what are the things that you want to make sure that i get a shot of that would make you really really thrilled with your wedding photography because if you don't ask that question they might assume that you just know those things and you're going to assume that they don't care about those things and well when you assume you make an ass of you and me and so that's sort of a, you know a, a, that's a bad place to be so i think at the and, very least we can ask and one other quick tip that you made me think of while you were saying that brian yeah so you have all this amazing communication with the bride and the bride and groom on what they want but who's paying you? If it's the bride's parents or the groom's mm. parents, it's always good, especially if you've never met mom and she's never been. Because think about brides and moms, you know, like bride wants one thing, mom wants another thing. We've all heard that one. Mm, right. So maybe it behooves you to go up to the mom that day and say, you know, I really appreciate you having me here and letting you photograph the wedding. And I know Sally's told me like this. Is, what are some important pictures you to make sure I get that today? Right. Mm-hmm. Do yourself that favor. You that's, will right away great. earn a huge fan. You know, because you've respected the person who's actually greasing the wheel. Yep. Can, can, can you imagine like what, what that would look like, and and the amazing things that a bride's mom would ha- would have to say about you if you made a point of actually calling the bride's mom the month yeah. before the wedding and saying, "Hey, Even listen, better. I'm really looking forward to photographing your daughter's wedding coming up, and I know that it's really important for you. Thank you again. I just want to know from you: is there anything special or anything specific that you'd really like to make sure that I photograph? Like. Are you kidding? Can you imagine? Like, there's nobody touching base with the bride's mom like that. Can you imagine the the good things that that bride's mom would have to say? And then also, you're starting the wedding day off. The moment that she sees you, she already has a good feeling about you because you've done that kind of follow-up ahead of time. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leads to bigger tips at the end of the wedding. Ah, there you go. What what are these tip things you talk of, speak of? <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of times, you know, as an owner, you don't always get tipped, but, yeah. you know, you know. That's a lot great. of times I've had I've had uh, clients tip my second shooters and not me. Yeah, yeah. One of the things we do is we go to the rehearsal if we can, if we're available. Yeah. Um, we don't go to shoot it. Um, we just go to make an appearance because a lot of times that's the first time we're meeting the the rest of the wedding right. party and the family. And it just we find when we meet them, even if it's just for half an hour, it's not that much time out of our schedule. Um, you know, we can go, we meet the officiant, you know, iron anything's out with him beforehand, him or her beforehand, um, but also meet everybody. And then when yeah. we walk into the room the next day, everybody's like, oh, hey, Bruce, hey, Sarah. It's, you know, they know us already. There's that familiarity and that I do that on destination because I'm there. And, you know, a lot of times you are shooting the the rehearsal dinner, but I'll just, I'll find out when the rehearsal is and I show up to it. I shoot candidates. I don't say a word. I just, all of a sudden I'm there and they see me and I'm like shooting candidates. And just like you said, you're introducing yourself to the bridal party and, and things like that. And you actually learn things, you know, at rehearsal that you can use for the next day, even personality wise. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe how someone's walking in or. You know, there's a lot of like, you know, it's harder to do or like you said, Bruce, I don't necessarily do it when I do local weddings because it's like a whole nother day to go out and show up. And a lot of times when I work locally, I don't necessarily shoot rehearsals. Sometimes I do, but I always on destination. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So excellent, guys. Some Great. fantastic advice. And I think, uh, sure. you know, I think we did a good job of breaking down this article. Again, if you're interested in kind of reading uh, these articles, we'll put links to both of the articles in the in the show notes. 
Um, maybe Robert, if you, you want to share your, uh, your, your list, your, your pre-wedding checklist, your goals list, I think people might be, <laughs> might be curious in, in seeing something like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm happy to put them up. There. Um, yeah, we'll have all that in the, in the episode as well. But on those lines, like you can look at mine, but create your own. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I have stuff on there that's, you know, that, that I get good weather and beautiful light and that I have eyes in the back of my head and just all sorts of, but I put it out there in the universe. I put it out there on, on like what I want, you know, mm-hmm. that my brides run on time and that like I mentioned that the guests arrive to and from the wedding safely and, you know, no equipment failure, card failure, you know, like all things that, you know, t- I want that. You have to think about everything that will make your wedding successful from prior to the wedding till after the wedding. Yeah, please don't let the dr- the groom be drunk when he shows up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I think that brings us, I think we've, we've, we've come full circle on that. And I think we've done a pretty yep. good job talking about that. So that brings us to the end of our second episode. How about that, guys? Two episodes. Yeah, Woo-hoo. two. Woohoo! <laughs> so uh, once again, thanks to our sponsors uh, for their support. And uh, remember to send in your questions for the show and share us your thoughts by commenting on the blog post for this episode. So, uh, Brian, where can people find you? Oh, well, my corner of the internet is over at www.sproutingphotographer.com. That's uh, my educational website. That's where you can uh, find all kinds of pricing calculators and in-depth how-to articles about the business of being a photographer, as well as we have our Business of Photography podcast over there as well. And I'm on all the social media channels at BCAP Photo, B-C-A-P Photo, two Ps. Excellent. Robert, where can we find you? Well, if you want to go look at my work and my website, try to brand everything cohesively. It's robertevans.com. Twitter is at Robert Evans. Instagram is at Robert Evans. And only because I couldn't get it, Google Plus is plus Robert Evans 101. Excellent. And you'll find me over at momentsindigital.com or on the Twitters and the Instagrams and everything else as Bruce Clark with an E. Again, we'll put links to all of those in the show notes if you're curious and checking us out or giving us a follow or just saying hi. We'd love to hear from you. And, uh, so coming up in a future episode, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have Jason Group on the show on a future episode. Looking forward to having him on and, uh, talking a little bit about, uh, conferences and getting the most out of conferences. So that's coming up in a future episode. So we're looking forward to that. So. I don't know. Did we come up with a better closer, guys? Than don't trip and fall in the <laughs> baptismal pool, or <laughs> how about something along the themes? We got to we'll, we'll have to hone it in, but you know, taking responsibility for better wedding photography, or we'll get it there. But we'll get it there. Let's start thinking along those. Raising lines. the bar one wedding at a time. Ooh, there you go. I hey, like ooh, it. Ooh. Ah, All right, it is. Raising wow, the, the listeners bar. just like sat in on a brainstorming session right there. There were <laughs> light bulbs firing and was, this was crazy. Raising the bar one wedding at a time. I like, I like it. it. All right. Simple to the point. And with that. Let's let's try it. Like like do the sign off, Bruce. Let's hear it. Okay. So here we go. Sign so, off. Take two. Take two. <laughs> so until next time, we're here raising the bar one wedding at a time. Oh, you could do better than that. Oh, I can do better come than that. on. Raising the bar, one wedding at a time. How's that? It wasn't how you said it. It was. This is my delivery. Help, helping you. Helping you. Mm. Brian, why didn't you? You came up with it. You close it off. <laughs> Thank you for listening to This Week in Photo Pro Weddings. Until next time, helping you raise the bar, one wedding at a time.
Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Keep it. Print. Print. Cut. Print. <laughs>